This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast, and this is Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hi, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer here at Baptist Union County. And hello, everyone. I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Well, today we are so honored to have a good friend of mine, Dr. Matt Pollard. Welcome, Dr. Pollard. Great to be with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Well, Dr. Pollard, to help kick us off, uh, if you would tell us where do you work at and what is your role at that organization? Sure. So I, I ironically, I'm an emergency physician by training. However, I, these days I spend most of my time as the Vice President of Continuous Improvement at Intermountain Healthcare. And I've been in this role for a few years. I've uh, been involved in various leadership positions, but have finally landed in something that I'm truly passionate about. And so I'm, I'm happy to share some of that with you guys today. I really admire your organization and we've created a great friendship. Well, uh, I know that uh, both of our physicians have lots of questions. So I'll just start off with the first one. At a high level, how does, um, how does Intermountain think about performance improvement and and how do they think about getting the physician involved in that work? Yeah, great question, Skip. For those that are familiar with Intermountain Healthcare, for many years now, we've been on a journey of quality improvement. And in particular, our perspective on fee-for-value is very important to us as a nonprofit organization and for the care that we provide for our patients. So starting years ago with Dr. Brent James and some early work with and true quality and process improvement. Um, he started the ATP program, in, um, and we've taught physicians and administrators and other leaders from all over the world um, these principles of quality improvement. And over time, that, uh, that has shifted for us. And one thing that we have recognized, especially the last several years, is the need for us to be a little bit more deliberate about how that is delivered in an organization. And so uh, in approximately in 2017, um, we went on a system-wide effort to systematize this. And that is when we introduced the Intermountain operating model, which is what we call a daily management system where everybody is using the same platform for improvement. And importantly, that involves the physicians. I may, I may be biased, but as a physician, I think that we play a very important role in this. Um, I've, I've often given presentations and talked about um, how physicians have the power of the pen. And I would say physician mm. slash APPs, it's not a pen, it's, a, uh, it's now a computer, but we really drive what, what is happening in healthcare. So we go to great lengths to involve physicians in our organization. Dr. Pollard, is, is Intermountain, is it a open or closed medical staff, or are all your physicians employed by Intermountain? No, it's a mixed model. Um, and as a matter of fact, I'm a good example of an affiliate physician. My emergency medicine group is Utah Emergency Physicians, and, and uh, I, I've, I'm a contracted physician yet started in this work years ago. And we, we value the relationship that we have with the affiliate providers as well as those that are employed within our medical group. So it's a totally mixed model. Well, well, I can speak for myself that as a physician, a lot of times we are, we're all for 
continuous improvement and we want things to get better. We just want, don't want to be involved in it. We want, <laughs> we want the hospital to, to make things better for us. And, and, and I would like you to share a little bit with us about how you got involved in, in continuous improvement and, and how you guys motivate your physicians at Intermountain to actually get actively engaged in the uh, CI process. Yeah, absolutely. And if I, if it's okay to share a personal anecdote, the, you know, the reason why I sure. got involved in continuous improvement was um, as a, as an emergency department chairman, I was struggling with failed processes. And the emergency department is a laboratory of process improvement, right? Everything happens so quickly. And I, I became frustrated with bureaucracy and red tape. Why can't I do this? I want to do that. Um, and I became so frustrated that I considered leaving medicine altogether, which is, you know, after dedicating a whole life to it is, is pretty significant. And I wasn't alone in this. I, as I spoke with other physicians, they had the same frustrations. Instead of jumping ship, I, I started to swim upstream, so to speak, and um, started to just do my own process improvement, not really knowing what I was doing. Um, and it was at that point in my career that I was introduced to continuous improvement um, with some of our uh, partners on the, on the western side of the United States. And the light bulb went off in my head. And I saw the vision for what continuous improvement can do, not just for my career or my healthcare system, but the entire nation and the entire world. If we could take these uh, these management principles and adopt them into the work that we were doing, it could be transformational. So I, I came back from that trip and um, I was asked to just join a, a continuous improvement team as the clinical uh, representative. And I, my job was just to start working with physicians. Um, and all we did was uh, start finding these little pebbles in our shoes. What's bugging you today? Great. What can we do about it? And we worked with the CI team. We tried to make it really simple initially, but we just started picking these things off and removing pebbles from physicians' shoes. And that really resonated with the docs. It was a great way to start because every physician has a pebble in their shoe um, and they're, they're waiting for someone to take it out. And so, Harvey, you mentioned before, you know, we, we don't want to get involved in the improvement. We want someone else to do it. And we flipped that on its head a little bit, and we empowered the physicians to do it. Um, we, we, you know, we can talk about idea systems and how we do that with physicians perhaps a little bit later, but we, we just empowered the physicians to be the catalyst of the change in their respective areas, and it really resonated with them, and they, they felt empowered now when, when they came to work to take great care of patients, but also to find ways to improve their work. Um, and then it just snowballed into a larger effort that has gone system-wide. That's really fascinating. And, you know, to, to HF's point earlier, you know, we don't, a lot of physicians don't want uh, to get involved in fixing the, the problems. They want somebody else to do it. And a lot of that has to do with uh, just time, you know, time away from your practice, time to put work into fixing these these efforts. Um, and there's there's a lot of things to fix. There's a lot of pebbles out there that you could pick out. So how do you at Intermountain make it easy for, for I guess, physicians to, uh, in a timely manner, um, 
get involved with uh, process improvement? That's a really great and a very important question, I think, because you're absolutely right. Physicians don't have time to be pulled offline for days to, to work on an improvement project. Um, and so we really try to involve them as much as we can. They'll come up with an idea using our idea system. Um, and then we'll, we'll go and talk with them, try to understand the situation. We, you know, we like to say grasp the situation, go and see what is happening, if possible, with them. For example, um, following a, a hospitalist uh, like I did one day to see how they were using the EMR just to, you know, in, in the background. And then once we had enough data, we would come up with a plan and start to institute the change and then involve the physician at intervals when we needed it. Um, however, I think there's a second part of that equation, and that is it, it's true that we don't always have time to pull physicians away from their work to improve their work. But if we can't take time to stop to make these improvements, then these obstacles are going to stop us. And so there are times when, in fact, we will go to an effort to, um, to pull a team offline and do a larger effort, you know, a value stream a map, mapping exercise, for example, where we ask physicians to pull some time away. Um, and once they see the benefit of that, the return on investment, through improved efficiency, less waste, their, their entire process is better and they realize it's okay to stop every once in a while to fix these problems so the problems don't stop us. I, I hopefully I've explained that well. Yeah, um, you, you talked about you guys having a, a universal platform that everybody across the entire organization uses. Um, I'd like to hear about that and also I'd like to know if for all of your um, healthcare providers, from physicians, administration, all the way down to the environmental services people, do, do, do you guys have part of your standard work each day or each week dedicated to continuous improvement? Yeah, two really good questions. I'll, I'll answer the second one first. Uh, we, we have some dedicated time on our calendars. Um, so every day, approximately 8 to 10 o'clock is um, dedicated CI time for leaders. Now, you, healthcare, you, you, you can't st completely stop operations, right? But that is when the leaders will stop. You know, so it's a no-meeting zone. They, uh, the idea is that they're out in the units, out on the floors, seeing what is happening. And that is, that is regardless of, um, of who you are in the organization as a leader um, and across all different departments. So that is something that, that we have done, um, and that took some effort, frankly, because we, we like to have meetings. But what we found was by going and seeing the work, uh, we were able to stop having some meetings that we, um, that we had scheduled because we're able to problem solve it by going and seeing it and, and getting rid of, of the problem. Now, mm -hmm. I don't want to say that that is perfect. I, w I wish it were. Healthcare presents some interesting challenges that way, but that, that is what we aspire to, and that's what actually I think we've still been pretty successful with across our system is, is that dedicated time. And during that time, we're also involved in our daily escalation huddles where we can escalate problems if need be all the way to the, the top of the organization. Um, and then with respect to the first question, uh, we have what is called the Intermountain Operating Model. It helps us define our strategy 
uh, from the top all the way to the bottom of the organization, align the strategy, it helps us um, see it using performance boards, you know, whiteboards, um, some organizations call them. It helps us organize our daily improvement activities around um, strategies and using these idea systems that, that we discussed. Um, and then it provides an opportunity for leaders to use um, a fairly uh, rigorous closed loop system to follow up on issues and problems and, and strategies. And there, there's other aspects to it, but everybody uses the same system. So whether you're an executive or a frontline um, EDS team or in legal or human resources, everyone uses the, the same vernacular. And that, that's been one of our biggest successes, I think, in the past several years is having everyone on the same page. So if, if you say return to, green, to, return to green plan to someone, they know exactly what you're talking about. When you talk about a step back review, they know exactly what you're talking about. When you say problem solving A3 or initiative A3, that's just the way that we do our work now. So it's what we're, the whole purpose behind this is not the tools um, or those individual elements, but it's to create a culture. Um, and so we were able to take our previous culture of quality improvement and engagement and just expand on that and make it even more effective through the data management system. Can you talk a little bit about the idea system that you mentioned? I, I thought that was fascinating when you discussed it with us last week. And uh, it, it does seem like another way where you can get physician input really quickly and within their, in a, in a timely manner, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So as part of our operating model um, in, uh, in daily improvement, we have um, an idea system and it's totally different than a suggestion box. The suggestion box, you'll, you'll drop a card in hoping that someone else does the improvement for you. An idea system is owned by a, by a team. So when you see an opportunity or a challenge, you, you write down what problem you see and what idea you have around that, and then you submit it to your local team. And that includes physicians and APPs. Actually, it includes the entire organization. And then the idea is, at a regular cadence, teams work on those ideas together. They'll take them, they'll prioritize them, add timing to it, escalation, et cetera. Um, and each year, so we have about 40,000 employees in our organization. Um, and each year we implement more than 50,000 ideas from, from caregivers. Last year wow. we implemented about 2,000 2, ideas from physicians. And these ideas range uh, from, you know, move the stapler from here to there to, hey, let's develop our own pharmaceutical company. And, you know, a good example, you know, I get excited about, uh, about this one because I, I think that it's so um, important for an, for an organization. It's totally empowering. Um, and a, a great example I like to share is an orthopedic surgeon friend of mine um, who out of frustration said to me one day, Matt, you're the improvement guy. Get a badge reader on the back of the hospital so I can even get in after hours to see patients you're calling me on. And he kind of walked away. Um, and so the planets all aligned perfectly and I was able to get a badge reader installed that next day. I took a picture of it with my cell phone and I sent him a text and I said, here you go. Here's your badge reader. What other awesome ideas do you have? And then his response to me was simply, wow, you guys are serious about this, aren't you? And I said, yes. What other ideas do you have? And then how easy is it for us to have discussions where we talk about reducing variation in the OR and looking for other opportunities 
when they know we're listening to them and that they can be a part of the solution. So yeah, it can seem silly initially, some of the ideas, but invariably what happens is it just serves as a catalyst um, to, to implement ideas that become more and more meaningful. And by the way, it's still very meaningful to that orthopedic surgeon who has to spend another 10 minutes walking around the hospital to get into the front door because he can't get in from the physician's parking lot. So it's actually, you know, a, a very meaningful idea. It's just how we look at it. So that, that's just, you know, a couple examples of, of how we use this idea system with physicians. And we've had ideas that have changed clinical care across an entire enterprise that started with one physician or APP in, in one unit, um, and then it spread to the entire organization. It's very, very empowering. So, uh, you know, I think you referenced this a little bit, uh, you know, not a suggestion, boss, but the, uh, the idea system, it starts on a, a piece of paper, and those pieces of paper, though, are, are everywhere throughout the hospital. And I, I wanted to just get your, your input and feedback, because we've, we've talked a little bit about um, possibly setting up something similar. Uh, why would you want to do it uh, maybe on paper versus having, you know, an electronic idea system or something like that? Is there is there a reason that y'all went that route? Yeah, very good reason, actually. And by the way, we use both because uh, not all teams are co-located. So if you're working with, uh, let's say I'm a cardiologist and our ops lane is working with a cardiologist down in, um, you know, hours away from me, we can leverage that idea system electronically. But the idea with a physical card is that it's, it's tangible. You can, you see it, you write on it, you put it on the wall where your team gets together and you review them together. Um, and then you start working on it and you, um, it's, it's not just a, a whiteboard. It actually has, you know, timing and as I said before, escalation, um, et cetera. So there's just something about teams actually um, getting around the board and working on those ideas that makes this very effective. Um, not to say that we don't use an electronic system. There are systems out there, but we, we have a homegrown system that we've just iterated with over years. Um, we have a, a computer programmer that's helped us uh, design data and other things. Um, and so the idea is once, the, once we finish or implement the idea, we then enter it into the system. That allows us to search for ideas and share best practices across the entire enterprise. So, um, and, and, and there's a good reason why we actually have physical performance boards as well. Same concept, it's there, it's visual, it's staring at you in the face, it's not sitting in a computer somewhere. It, you're, you have to walk by that idea board and make sure you remember, oh yeah, I need to do something with that idea um, that, I'm, that I'm in charge of working on and I haven't. So some of it's accountability, it's part of, uh, of our visual management system. So really good questions. What what does a what does a team look like? Meaning, how how big is a team, and in in a hospital, how many different teams might might you have? Yeah, it totally varies. Um, just depends on the circumstance. Um, in my environment, in the emergency department, we're fortunate to have everybody there all the time. So the physicians, the techs, um, the APPs, the, the nurses. So there can be one common. Um, system for visual management there in that type of setting. In the inpatient units, it's a little different. You have physicians coming and going, um, and so they can they can uh, submit an idea to that system, but then they'll have to get pulled into that discussion by those teams at appropriate levels. But it's generally organized by 
uh, organized around the nursing units. Um, and then another thing that we try to do is uh, we have teams at various levels of four physicians. We even have system level ops lane teams that uh, uh, have the ability to use these idea systems. So it, it really just depends. And we try to get creative with it as well. Um, we don't limit your team to just who you work with every day. You may have a team of people that you're working on on a project or, or various um, other areas, and they, we use the idea cards everywhere. We try to have them available um, to anyone across the system, wherever they're at. You know, one thing, Dr. Pollard, um, I was interested in your thoughts on is that, uh, you know, when this uh, episode comes out, it'll be in the beginning of January, I believe, and we'll still be in the middle of this pandemic. And um, for me, as I've reflected, one of the things that I would suspect, just like us, your management system, your improvement system is really based upon habits and routines, you know, and this pandemic has radically disrupted all of those habits and routines. Um, have, have you thought much about that? And as we come out of this pandemic eventually, how are you thinking about how you might reestablish some of those habits and routines? You know, I think that um, in large part, we were blessed to have this operating system not fully baked or, or, or up and running, but most of the key systems and elements of our operating model were in place before the pandemic hit. So we had, for example, our daily escalation huddle system in place that allows us literally to raise a problem from a frontline team to the CEO in, uh, in three hours. Um, so it, it's really amazing how we're able to identify and respond to problems. All that was in place before the pandemic. We had our idea systems in place, and we, we've actually implemented thousands of COVID-related ideas. So we, we tag them, so when they're entered into the system, um, we, we can identify them. So because we had the idea system up and running, teams were able to come up with great ideas on how they're dealing with COVID and then share them across the enterprise. Not perfectly, right? I, I wish it were. We, we have a ways to go there. But think of the opportunity for a team member to find out some breakthrough with how they're dealing with COVID and then send it to all their colleagues across the enterprise on an idea um, that isn't just a, a great idea, but they've actually vetted it. They've instituted it. They've made the improvement, validated it, and now we, we spread it. So um, I don't think that we've lost um, too many of these habits, to be honest with you, Skip. I think that if anything, this has helped us realize that this management system works. And if you were to try to take pieces of this away from our organization right now, I don't think that you, that you could do so because everyone sees that there is rigor. Now, we did have to put some, some things on pause, right, with strategy. Um, certain strategic initiatives, we literally hit the pause button on. We looked at our KPIs or our key performance indicators and said, okay, for these next few months, we're not even going to worry about these. We have to have all hands on deck and focus in these areas. But they were still there in the background, and we've already started coming back to them and, and picked up our regular operations. So if anything, this has just give, given us an opportunity um, to practice and, and to enhance what we're doing. 
That's a lot like us. I mean, for the past several months, it's just been COVID, 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 and we're finally trying to get back to our to our normal, you know, as much as our normal business can be now. But uh, I sure am looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I think we all are. Uh, it doesn't help with all these different waves that keep coming. You start getting back to doing maybe your more normal work and then all of a sudden it, it ramps up again and so you have to put things on pause so it's it's a bit a little tricky one of the things we had talked about before and i, I thought was interesting um was you know maybe how you work with the the ehr you mentioned the ehr several times already um what sort of continuous improvement work do you do specifically related to that or do you kind of just uh, different projects that come along have different elements that relate to EHR, or do you have work that solely focuses on EHR improvement? Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's a um, really good question. And every time there's an idea submitted by a clinician that has to do with the EHR, we put a little asterisk on it because uh, sometimes those are just, they're so hard, right? And there's, you only have so many resources to make changes. And I, I think I mentioned in our SOFI call last week that one idea from a physician was uh, get a new EMR. <laughs> okay, so not, not gonna happen. Um, they're just frustrated, right? But then what we do is we that kind is, of- That's the most common that? comment. So on our provider engagement score, on our class surveys, that, that's yeah. uh, one of the more frequent comments that we get is uh, go back to yeah. paper or something along those lines. <laughs> Yeah, well, remember my, uh, I should coin the phrase that an, uh, a complaint is just an upside down idea, right? Behind every one of those complaints, there there may be a pebble that you can remove actually um, with the EMR or with that provider's workflow. In some instances, we're able to just create a different workflow that it's a little bit of a Band-Aid improvement, but it helps them deal with the EMR. So we don't ignore those ideas by any means. And we certainly do leverage the EMR to make uh, positive changes. For example, we recently had an initiative to stop using, I think I mentioned this during our, our SOFI call, stop using uh, normal saline and, and to use lactated ringers with more frequency for clinical uh, reasons. Um, it wasn't going to be a cost benefit to the organization um, with respect to supplies, but when, you, when we looked at outcomes, it was going to be um, and so as part of that improvement, it was project managed by one of my team members. Uh, we worked with, with uh, physicians of different specialties with our supply chain and with our, um, our CTIS colleagues, our IT colleagues, and we made changes to the EMR to make it easier to order lactated ringers and to provide prompts and that kind of thing. So if, if the uh, challenge is significant enough, if safety is a big enough concern, then we will prioritize those modifications to the EMR whenever possible. I like this asterisk policy. That's that's going to be something we're going to adopt. <laughs> Good word for. I'm going to have to have a, a conversation with that physician to really find out what what's going on there. But even just to listen to them, sometimes that's all they want. They just want someone to feel their pain. And then, you know, then we move on. So sorry, Harvey, I jumped over you. No, no, I just I was just making a joke. You know, it takes me sixty-five clicks to discharge my patient. I want it to I want it down to twenty-five. 
you know. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's so many studies that talk about all those clicks, which that's that's waste, right? And and we know that in continuous improvement circles, we we need to help um, our physician colleagues and our IT colleagues. Um, realize just how significant that is. It's super painful. And every one of those clicks is an opportunity for an error um, mm -hmm. that can result in harm for a patient. So it's actually a significant problem that uh, our entire country is dealing with. Well, Dr. Pollard, let me kind of land the plane with uh, our, our final question. If there are physicians out there within Baptist that are listening to this, and they're asking the question, why should I get involved with improvement? What would be your elevator speech to them? You know, I often start with the elevator speech, which is you know, try to harken back to the days when you went to medical school and why you, met, you went to medical school. And then how did you feel uh, a, a few years out of residency, that frustration that you feel doesn't need to be that way. You can have that same passion for why you went into medicine. And for me and for countless others here in our organization, continuous improvement has unlocked that passion once again and turned us into engaged physicians. And it's not perfect and there's still frustration, but it's providing hope. It, it, it's a great way to engage um, um, people at all levels, and especially physicians, and it infuses you once again with uh, uh, your your true north and why you got into healthcare in the first place. Mm. Well, D Dr. Pollard, I can't tell you how thankful I am for you and your friendship. Uh, most people don't realize, but we've had a longstanding friendship uh, with y'all. Uh, y'all have continued to uh, participate with us in our annual TWI summit, and last year we were in Oxford together, and I thought we were going to be in Oxford together again, and then this global pandemic came, so hopefully we'll be able to all get together in person again in the future, but I just want to say on behalf of Dr. Mason and Dr. Lancaster and Baptist, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for the partnership we have with Intermountain Healthcare, and just thank you so much for coming on to our, the podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thanks to you all. Thanks, Matt. Thank you.